pressed me back. The disappointments of my life, the things I wanted more than anything else. And I have even come into conflict with God over those things. Why did you do this? When all he was doing is trying to put me back on the track to my purpose that he and only he knew could be fulfilled if I moved from Boulder to San Antonio because it was in San Antonio I would meet the people who would who would be divinely connected to me not in Boulder but it's in San Antonio that I will use my priesthood because there are some people who have been given to me before the foundation of the world and I as a royal priest are you all still with me? My priesthood is my horizontal. I'm made a priest for men in things pertaining to God. So as a saint of God, I am a king because of my vertical connection to his kingship. I am royal because he is royal. And I'm his son, daughter, right? Are you all still here with me? And you know, I feel like there's been a work done already in the room today. You ever feel like all I'm doing now is filling up space? Because we've got more in here than we can chew, I think. And we're going to continue on from service to service, but I'm not sure. I hope I'm not pouring water in a full glass here right now but because it'll all get lost. You can't fill a glass any more full than full. Okay. And I am a see this this was God's intention for Israel. The nineteenth chapter of Exodus. I chose you that you might be a nation of kings and priests. Not ironic priests. I chose you to be a come on say a nation. The whole the whole church world is called to be kings and priests, not the preachers. That's why in Revelation, and he has made us kings and priests unto our God. And we, come on, come on, come on, we, come on, say we, shall reign. I have authority in the earth. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you might show forth the praises of him who, oh, I see. Now, if you don't understand the original intention, you will never know who you are. You will always think that you're saved just by the skin of your teeth. And you got to hang on till Jesus comes and snatches you out of this old world. You'll always believe you're saved from something and not for something. You'll always think that your deliverance depends on your good works to perform it. 
and you'll give glory to the vessel and forget the treasure because you did not understand the calling because we are called to be saints. Come on, say called. We're called to be saints. That's our calling. Saints are not just lesser persons who sit and listen to greater preachers. I'm sorry. You don't want me to come to Jamaica. No, it'll mess everybody up. I don't know about that. We'll have to pray about that. We'll have to pray about that. Let us go. Well, what are we going to leave now? Repentance from dead works. That's not repentance from sin. It doesn't say that's repentance from dead works. So we've got a whole bunch of dead stuff that we've got to get. We've got to turn away from. Repentance means to turn away from. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. I'm not going to. Let, let me just. I'm going to set up tonight, okay? You ready? Okay. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God, not faith in God, faith toward God, completely different thing. How many believe, believe God can do anything? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. God can do anything. How many of you know God does not do everything? Right? Faith in God says God can do anything. Faith toward God says whatever God does is okay. And he has a purpose for not doing what I thought he should. And I accept his purpose. It's called trust. The Hebrew children said, we know our God is able to deliver us. But whether he delivers us or not, we do not know. <laughs> but we will not bow down. What are they saying? Well, we know he's able. I've got faith in God. But my faith toward God, whatever he does is okay. You're still here? So we don't teach our saints that. Come on, you need to have faith in God, brother. You know, you need to hang on. You need to hold on. Praise God. Well, there's some things that God's just not going to do because it's not your best interest. And he's got to keep nudging you over because you're not where you need to be and he's going to keep moving you around, bouncing you around by suffering, by the things you go through, by the troubles of your life, by the situation. He is trying to put you in position so that you can meet the people that he has called you to be the priest of because your priesthood, your your Kingship is your vertical, but your horizontal, this geometry of the cross, the horizontal is not to God, it's to men. Any man taken from among men to be abandoned high priest over men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. That my priesthood is for people in things that pertain to God. And so God, in his great wisdom, moves me from Boulder, what did I say? San Antonio, okay, wherever. He say, but I loved Boulder. The mountains were so beautiful, and I just loved the rocks and all those big ponderosa pines were so beautiful, and I just, you know, I felt so terrible, but I knew I just I had to go, and I just miss it so much. And Peter, are you going to come back? Okay. And I, and I miss it so much, and it's just, you know, really, I don't have many folks who leave my meetings. They just... They're scared to death. I'm going to call them out. <laughs> I did that one time. A lady was going back to the side. I said, you leaving because you're mad? She said, yes. 
I said, well, baby, don't let the door hit you in the back. Go ahead. <laughs> and I missed the rushing streams, the rushing over those, those beautiful granite rocks and just the morning birds singing in the, in the high meadows and the, and the whistling of the elk in the fall. And, but, you know, San Antonio, oh, geez, like the bottom of the ocean. It's just God, sand everywhere and it's just dry. And, oh, God. But, you know, I, I, I just really, what you're really trying to say is that you didn't really want to go. I think that's in simple terms. You didn't really want to go. But you went anyway. Yeah. And, you, you know, I feel like if I had, to, you know, if I had just been a little more discreet and if I hadn't, I wouldn't have lost that job in Boulder. No, the truth is that, see, because you thought you got hired in San Antonio, but the truth is you didn't get hired there. They had no choice. They had to accept you into their company because it was preordained that they had to have you because somebody is in that company that you are their priest. And God moves all these pieces around and you suffer in your mind and in your flesh by the constant mixing of the board when if you understood, boy, I've got to get, tonight I've got to talk to you about the word of God, the good sees the word of God, but the truth is until the word is made flesh, it does not produce in your now. That's why the good seed are the children of the kingdom because they have become the word made flesh. And we say, well, I just need to get into the word more. I'm not talking about the written word. I'm talking about the word of God. You should be able to be hearing the word of God. You say, well, I need to know more scripture. That's why people study for years and years and years, never become productive, but they'll study for years and years and years and argue with you about doctrine, but they're not soul winners. Are you all still with me? See, we're through. We're through for the day. No, I just can't. I feed you another spoonful and you're going, So you only have to endure this for about 12 more minutes, okay? Faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, that would be water baptism, spirit baptism, and we should have taught for years on the baptism of fire, and we did not because it is the purging fire that kills all the stuff out of us. But we don't teach that to people. We say, when you get the Holy Ghost and you come in and the, and the Spirit of God comes into your life, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> You should have said, you're about to go to hell. <laughs> you're going to be so happy. Yeah, for about 15 minutes. And then when you get home and tell your husband, he's going to be madder than a wet hen. <laughs> Baptism of fire. Laying on of hands that there is a spiritual transfer of authority. The laying on of hands. When I put my hands on you all, 
You didn't suddenly become a prophet. You didn't suddenly become an apostle. Or nobody's trying to make you some great preacher or anything. Just suddenly you feel the authority, God's authority, to be able. When you started baptizing, baptizing those ladies, Sarah, I said, you go baptize them. Say, you, you put your hands on a woman to go baptize? Yes, ma'am. And she baptizes a bunch of them. So you had a meeting last week, another meeting last week? How many, how many of those ladies received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? 65. Only 65 of them received the Holy Ghost last week in her meeting. I'll lay hands on every one of the women in here if they'll do that. So she puts them in a kiddie wading pool with water about this deep, and she sets them down. They sit down, and then she gets baptized. And they get up, talk in tongues, and go out, and then the next one in line gets in. Right, Sarah? That's right. <laughs> and I wasn't there to preach. I didn't preach. You can't do that without me there. I'm the apostle. Ephraim, you've had men over there lately. Did they get the Holy Ghost too? They did? Yeah, like all of them. But we can only take about 60 or 70 at a time per week. Everything okay? Oh, good, okay. People start whispering, I get nervous. It's time for me to start the car. Go start the car. <laughs> Laying on of hands, there's a transfer of authority. You want to be careful not to do that to everybody because that transfers, there's an ebb and a flow in that. And you also take responsibility. So you become responsible for other men's shortcomings as well when you take that responsibility. You want to be careful. Lay hands suddenly on no man. <clears throat> Daniel, you still casting out the devil down there? Yeah, a year ago you were the devil. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. He cast out more devils in 15 minutes than you ever believed. All that Santeria, that religion mixed with spiritualism, all that. I just stand at the back of the church, Ephraim. I was standing at the back. Remember we were standing at the back? And was it Daniel was up there? He said, command the spirits to come out of them. If you don't come out, get out of here. And we look, and here comes a lady crawling back the aisle, hands and knees, heading for the door like a dog trying to get out of the room. I'm going, woo. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? The lady I'm going, the devil's getting out of here, crawling out of here on hands and knees. No, with great authority. Great authority. I just simply put my hands on that and said, do the work of God. Do the work of God. Nobody's looking for a title. Nobody's looking for But these hundreds and hundreds of people coming to God. Hey, Joel Jr., you, sir. How many folks did you and Daryl meet with? Uh, these are business people. These are 
school, what, directors? School superintendents. How many did you meet with last, last week? 300. 300 superintendents, school superintendents and directors in one room. And TV people showed up. Did you call them to come? They came themselves. And they put it all over. Yeah. Because, see, the kingdom of God is... How many schools, Daryl, do you think we might... What, 100, 200? 200? 100 to begin. 100 schools to begin. Oh, but you don't understand. You can't say Jesus and you can't say God. So we would have a terrible time because if we cannot say Jesus or God, there's no way we can spread any message. So that's a no. That's a no before you start. Don't do it, Daryl. Don't go. Don't go. But he's been reaching thousands upon thousands. How many kids? 22 million youth. 28 million they've ministered to in the last 16, 17 years. Say 28 million kids whose hearts are being turned. They don't know why, but they're seeing, they're seeing the result of what we preach to be Christianity. Repentance, tears, turning their hearts around, changing. You say, but you didn't say Jesus. We say that later. So which do you want? Do you want the idol Or do you want the manifest result? You want the historical Jesus? Or do you want the present power? Me too. Me too. That's why the kingdom has got to have a different language. You've got to quit speaking Christianese. Because the world's already deciphered that one and they don't like it. That's why you have to have a spiritual Holy Ghost mind. And what kind of a language do we have? Think spiritual, speak secular. Think spiritual, speak secular. Think spiritual, speak secular. Wow. Is that possible? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And now Rachel's challenge, although we cannot break the veil because if they ever thought that Rachel's challenge was a religious organization, they'd never let them back in another school. And yet thousands upon thousands of young people are being changed every day across this nation in thousands of schools across this nation. And we don't even know it because they're not in church. And we're getting ready now to explode in Mexico. We're bringing Rachel's challenge to Mexico. Yeah. Well, tomorrow morning you will find out what Rachel's challenge is because I'm going to ask Daryl Scott, who is here with me, who is my beloved friend. We grew up together in the same background, didn't even know each other. He knew me. I was this crazy young preacher thing. But his daughter was the first child killed in Columbine school shooting in Littleton, Colorado, 17 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. 
And he took that tragedy and turned it toward this great hope and possibility for kids all over the world to change their lives, to change their attitude, to stop the bullying, to do good works of kindness and generosity. Right here in this own, in our own city, right here in Atlanta, you've had your meetings in the Georgia Dome with thousands upon thousands of people with the big cranes holding up those chains of good works that the kids are doing to each other and repentance that they're going through. Now, keeping the veil there, but coming in on the other side, now Father's Heart in Mexico is coming in on this side. Okay, And we're meeting together in what we call cultural or community center, Father's Heart Community Center, where we can siphon those young people who are hungry and spiritually starving. See, they're spiritual and hungry. They, everything is spiritual anyway. You know that. These kids are spiritual. They're, yeah. Come on, say yes. Yeah, they're spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Before this was ever a building, before this was ever wood up here, it was spiritual before it ever became natural. Somebody had to think it or dream it before it ever became that camera, that was a thought in a man's mind before it ever became something that takes a picture. This microphone in my hand, before it ever became re reality or manifested in this, was somebody's idea. Say idea. Ideas, thoughts, all of those, those are spiritual things. These kids are going through spiritual changes and alterations, and they don't even know why. But that is the message of Jesus. You say, well, how can that happen if you don't talk about Jesus? Because he does the work without the mention of his name. He still does the work. You can inform them later how that came to pass, and that's what Jesus came to do. You say, I, I don't understand. That's why you will never understand the kingdom. Never. You will always be fighting against yourself and trying to reach people. I'm, boy, it got cold then. That's all right. I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyhow. We're going to have to have a great, great escape from our traditional religious root system. And I promise you, it is going to have to be an escape because religion will chase you down, grab you, and pull you back if you let it. Where was I? I think I was on. Oh, Jesus. Laying on of hands, is that where I stopped? How about the re resurrection of the dead? So I believe all the dead are going to be raised. No, no. see, we don't even understand the first resurrection. We don't How are the dead raised up? We ever talk about that, Peter? Like for hours and hours? Yeah. How are the dead raised up? I finally got it figured out. You know, those that are in Christ, they're not hurt of what death? Let's all say the second death. Why? Why? Because they've already suffered the first death. Because those that are not in Christ have not suffered a first death yet. I can't be risen with him if I haven't already. Yeah. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ said on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. What's the next night? For ye are dead. Dead. Come on, say dead. You are dead. Oh, that means I've already suffered the first death. Ah, so my, my redemption, my coming into Christ is my first death, my burial, 
and my resurrection. We are raised with him through faith in the operation of God who raised him from the dead. That's why when they carry me out to the graveyard, it does not hurt me because I have already died once. But the folks who have not died that spiritual death, they get hurt. And how they get hurt is that my spirit goes straight to God who gave it. Because I've sent all my sins. He has taken them all to judgment beforehand. But those who die and go to the graveyard without Jesus, here's how they get hurt. Their spirit does not go. They get locked. You say, how do you know that? All I have to do is go back to my book of precedence here and I can see. That's why Jesus had to go preach to the spirits. Where were they? In prison. Because disobedience imprisons the spirit. And it cannot go to God. And so for all those years and ages and whatever, their bodies lay in the grave. They are disembodied spirits. They can't get to their God and they can't have any manifestation. There's no hell any worse than that. That's the weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth is when I cannot manifest myself to my loved ones and I cannot get to the God who made me. But there will be a final judgment and all the dead will be raised. Small and great, and they'll stand before God. You know what they're going to do when they stand before God? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's the Lord. If you've been laying, if you've been wandering around for a thousand years without a body, you'll be glad to kneel down and say, he's Lord. <clears throat> oh, I'm two minutes past time. Now, let's not linger on that because I know you all want to debate me on that. Well, don't because I don't want to debate you on that. I'm just telling you that if you've died in Christ and you've been raised, it's a spiritual death and a burial and a resurrection. You actually are partakers of his death, burial, and resurrection. He dies in your place. You don't get hurt because he paid it all. But you will pay in the flesh. You will pay if you are without him in the grave. I truly think that. There are others who don't think that. I'm not... I'm going to debate that. I just want to get on to another, and that's eternal judgment. Say eternal judgment. See, I personally believe that he eternally judged our own sins on the cross, on the tree. His death was my death. He didn't die for me. He died as me. His death was my death. When he died, I died. He said so. When he was buried, I'm, all I do is manifest in the earth what he did in the spirit for me. Okay, but then there's another thing too. We do not understand the everlasting punishment aspect of all of this. Because if you have not understood, just listen to this very carefully. This will give you something to argue about all afternoon with your husband, okay? <laughs> if you do not understand the original intention of God, and that was to make a man so that he could put his love on him, because love, that's what God is, is incomplete unless it has an object on which to place itself. He also had to make light and darkness good and evil. The evil that's in the world is the creation of God. It's not the manifestation of the devil. Oh, nobody told you that? He said, I create the light, I create the darkness, I create the good, I create the evil. And if you choose to participate of it and to manifest it and go through it and to do it, that's your problem. 
But God's the one who gave you that choice because love is not love if it doesn't have a choice to love. And so God, that's why God, if he didn't want you to sin, he shouldn't have put the tree out there in the middle of the garden in the first place. You say, why'd you put the stupid tree in the garden? You didn't want me to eat? You didn't want, well then why'd you plant it? No, that, but he knew they'd eat it before they were ever created. That's why he was slain from the foundation of the world. He already in the mind of God had pre planned a redemption for something he told them not to do that he knew they would do because he's controlling everything. I don't know if this is news to you or not, but he is omniscient. I don't know if nobody told you or not, but he knows ahead of time everything's going to take place. Not only that, he has pre-planned all of this, and the fact is that he is not believing. He is not willing, willing, say willing, which does not mean having a desire for, but that word means he did not pre-plan nor pre-ordain that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And that means then the church being the seed, the church being the seed and knowing that they are the seed for the greater harvest means that now I understand the calling of the church is not to get saved and be in the church, but the calling of the church is to reach the greater world through his kingdom. His kingdom shall fill the whole earth. And I am chosen in this generation to be a seed for the greater harvest, which will be the restoration of his entire world and everything that's in it. You say, uh-oh, you believe in restitution of all things. I've believed that for 40 years. I just didn't have the courage to tell you. Because the more I've studied and the more I've understood God and the more I've reached for God, the more I realize he's not going to take his prized possession, which he made. He's not going to take it and allow it to. You think that the will of man and the wiles of the devil could overcome the original purpose of God and that is to find a place to put his love to get back what he could and then to manifest his mercy to all men, all men, to all men. Do you think that someday when every knee bows and every tongue confesses, do you think that he did not plan that in the beginning, that that would all come to pass, that he would be Lord of all, through all and in all. But I want to explain this one thing and this will be for tonight. You ready? He said, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again, foundation, 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 foundation. And the last was eternal judgment. The word eternal there is the annuals. It is eon. Say eon, which is a time word. It is not forever and ever. It is for the age. We suffer within the age. The people who died in the flood, it was not forever and ever. They were released at the cross. But that makes the saints mad because they've worked so hard to be perfect and they want a lot of folks to go to hell because if they don't, it's a grand disappointment that God would eventually rescue his whole creation in and out of the grave. It is a vast disappointment 
to think that I've worked this hard and been this faithful. I didn't drink, cuss, smoke, nor kick the dog. And now somebody who did all of that and worse might in the end wind up being as secure as I am. I don't think I like that kind of grace. I want limited redemption and limited grace, limited to my own ability to direct my own path and do what I want to do, and I want to try my very best, preacher, from now on to be as perfect as I can. And in that, I bid you good fortune. because you have already failed before you started. He is all and in all, and I am in him. And I am complete, which is the same word as perfect. I am perfect, woo, in him. Not in my I'm perfect in, I am complete in him who is the head of all principalities. There's no devil big enough to make me not I am. Stand up, let's stand up. There's no spirit big enough. There's no doctrine bad enough to make me not I am. I am in the moment. I am his child. I am secure. Hallelujah. I am a seed. And I am growing. And I am perfect. Come on, say it. Come on. There, no, no, no. Say it. Say it. I am perfect. I am complete in him. I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. Say, say it. Just whisper it. Smile at Jesus and say it. I am. The great I am has taken me into himself, and I am. I am. And see, listen, if you cannot smile, watch, watch this real quick. If you cannot watch and say that, then the next line pertains to you. Let us go on to perfection, and this we will do if God permit. Because if you cannot at some point throw all that smile at him and say, I am, he's not going to let you be seed in his harvest because you would only sow discord and doctrinal division. The government of the kingdom is love. And the word of the kingdom is reconciliation. And it is given to us. And it is our ministry. And we do not reconcile. He reconciled. He already did it. He balanced the books. And I just go tell folks he did. And that's my big job as a priest. I just go to them and say, the blood has been shed. The offerings have been made. You are free. You are well. You don't have to worry.
There are things you will do so that you can become an ambassador of the same. But as far as your security is concerned, you're safe. He saved you and called you with a holy calling. So your salvation, your calling is not the same. How are we doing so far? This we will do. See, you will not put anybody in the field if they haven't gone to boot camp. Don't give them a rifle and a bayonet. No, 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 no. Send them down to Fort Hood or someplace. Put them suits. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna, you're going to suffer a while. They're going to shave your head. They're going to cut off your sideburns. They're going to put a pair of 10-pound boots on you. They're going to make you crawl through mud under a barbed wire fence with live ammunition going over your head. And you're going to say, how, how come I did this? I don't know. I wish I wasn't here. Well, you're here. Whether you like it or not, you're here. Here we are. Here we are. Can't help that. Yeah. And all he's doing is preparing you. You say, but I, 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 I want to be alive. You are alive. That's why you're scared to death. If you weren't alive, you wouldn't be hunkered down in the mud, crawling under the wire, saying, keep your head down, keep your head down. Yeah, why? Because you are alive. See, it's the being saved that makes us fear. It's not being afraid we're not saved, not alive. It's I'm afraid that I might not fulfill the purpose for which I am alive. That should frighten the daylights out of us. To fear lest the promise being left us of entering into that rest, any of you would seem to come short of it. I can go on here forever, but I have already overstayed my time. I would love to visit with every one of you for hours and hours, but um, I can't do that. Um, I'm tired. I'm going to go get a drink of water, go to the bathroom, and then I'm going to go to the room. I'm going to take a nap. I love you. Bye.